My name is Brad Tuttle with WCC Land and Cattle in San Marcos, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This is Texas Ag Today, the number one source for the latest news in Texas agriculture. The largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State covers it all. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's today's top stories. If you're interested in getting started with sheep or goats, a primary consideration is establishing a good system for safeguarding animal health. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Caring for livestock in the winter cold and winter precipitation is challenging for ranchers, but the challenge is met by many as they continue raising their livestock. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. Well, the cold finally got to Texas. Somebody left the gate open up north, and plants are going to respond differently. Let's talk a little bit about cold injury and plants in Texas. Please join me, John Degno. Now, here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Be sure to hold on tight because it all starts right now. Friday's monthly cattle on feed report was mostly neutral for the cattle market with the numbers coming in just as expected. USDA livestock analyst Mike McConnell says the cattle on feed report looked like a normal wintertime report. According to the latest cattle on feed report, on January 1st, there was 11.9 million head of cattle and feedlots over 1,000 head. That's a 2% increase from the year prior. Cattle placed during the month of December totaled 1.7 million, 4% lower than a year ago. Cattle marketed during the month of December was 1.73 million, 1% lower than the previous year. Heifers and heifer calves made up about 40% of feedlot inventory. The share is, is down slightly from where it was a year ago. But by historical standards, it's still relatively uh, high and doesn't necessarily indicate that many heifers are being retained for breeding. McConnell says we'll have to wait until next week to get more definitive information on that. That's when USDA releases the biannual cattle inventory report on January 31st. Dairy cattle genomics is improving sustainability. According to a new report from CoBank, U.S. dairy producers are increasingly using genomic science to optimize the genetic potential of their herds, improving milk production, animal health, and operational efficiency while using fewer resources. CoBank reports that since genomic testing became commercially available in 2008, more than 8 million U.S. dairy animals have been genotyped for genetic traits related to milk production and quality feed efficiency, reproductive viability, and cow health. Since 2008, when genomic testing became available, the U.S. dairy herd has only grown 1%, but milk production has climbed 19.2%. The report indicates some of that growth can be attributed to improved nutrition and cow comfort initiatives, but genomics played a critical role. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. More Texas cotton gins are closing or merging with others. 
The drought took a toll on farmers' operations over the last two years, and gins are having a hard time getting enough cash flow to stay afloat. For example, Lubbock cotton growers merged with Lone Star Ag in Brownfield and bought Liberty Co-op a few years ago. Gin manager Jerry Butman says it's getting harder to keep a gin in business as the price of everything has doubled, making it harder to make ends meet. And with very little rainfall the past few years, Butman says there just wasn't enough cotton harvested to keep every gin in business. Sheep and goats are becoming more popular on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt says one priority for those in that business is establishing a good system to safeguard animal health. Today we go back to my conversation with Pippa Gibbons of the Texas Tech Vet School in Amarillo. Dr. Gibbons says anyone who wants to get started with sheep and goats should focus on animal health right from the beginning. If you buy stock from reputable sources and practice appropriate biosecurity, healthy stock is going to be your best start. Parasite control, vaccination programs, and managing your reproduction, so breeding seasons, testing your rams or bucks, and making sure that you're actually getting lambs on the ground and kids, and that's uh, important for the bottom line. Now, one of the things you touched on in your presentation is a, a closed herd. And it sounded like it's an important thing to be thinking of having. Describe a closed herd and tell me why that's a key. A closed herd typically means that the established herd of ewes or does and males, we don't buy in external animals. Now, that's always not possible. We're going to have to bring in some new genetics every so often. So there's a whole range of what a closed herd means. It can mean from a very high health status only use AI, never bring in an external animal and use AI for to bring in new genetics to a very much closed maternal, so you flock, and then just bring in rams with appropriate quarantine. So it does span a wide gamut. And what are the primary benefits in terms of thinking of being closed or at least closer to full-on closed? So the purpose of doing that is to prevent diseases from being introduced. So if we can keep out diseases like infectious abortion and bringing in resistant parasites, bringing in liver flukes and things like that, we're going to have a much healthier herd. Dr. Pippa Gibbons with the Texas Tech School of Veterinary Medicine. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Caring for livestock in the cold, wet weather is a big challenge. But Tom Nicoletti tells us Texas livestock producers are stepping up and meeting that challenge. Today we go up to the Texas Panhandle and Ethan Patton is my guest. He is a cattle rancher in Swisher County. And uh, Ethan, the the January weather during uh, the third week of the month and uh, certainly even before that and beyond, certainly cold and cattle need extra care in your area along with other regions of the state. So uh, fill us in on uh, that situation and uh, what you folks have to do to uh, maintain the health and good condition of your livestock. Well, mostly we just got to keep good feed and water out, obviously, just like any other time you're taking care of livestock. The biggest obstacles we got to overcome whenever you get out into sub-zero weather is water, cattle, everything just kind of holds up. We just got to make sure that holding volumes of water will get eight to 12 inches thick ice. So if we can get through that on a periodic basis and let the cattle get some fresh water here and there, that really keeps them going. 
getting the feed going, high protein, keeps their guts working pretty good with enough forage. For you ranchers, when it does get very cold, as you mentioned, your job is nonstop. You still have to go out there at uh, any given point of the day and uh, check on those cattle, break that ice, and make sure there's plenty of feed. Definitely a challenge, correct? Yes, sir. Absolutely. And uh, we got some early calving heifers. And obviously, whenever a, a strong front comes through, you got to really keep a good eye on them because when it gets that cold and calves hit the ground, and it's it's pretty detrimental to them. We don't have much timber or any way to break the wind. So we just kind of use whatever we got at our disposal. I stack up hay bales on the north side of them on the outside of some pins and, and the cattle can get on the south side, try to hold up out of the wind. They cluster together really well. They kind of feed off each other's heat, stay out of the wind, and they seem to do all right for the most part. That is Texas Panhandle cattle rancher Ethan Patton. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This winter's cold weather is having an effect on plants and landscapes. San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno has more. Well, it took a long time for the real cold weather to get to Texas, and really, that's a great benefit to plants because you actually have a hardening off of many of our plants. They were prepared for this cold better than a sudden freeze that we sometimes get surprised by in, let's say, October or early November. So there's some real benefits to this is that we've had some freezing temperatures, close to freezing temperatures before it got really, really cold. Now, we knew that a lot of these trees, these deciduous trees are in great shape because they've lost their leaves, they've gone to dormancy, and we don't expect a lot of cold. You know, up north where you have trees to get really cold and then you get a sunny day and you get what's called frost cracking or freeze cracking. We've had that a couple of years ago in the, the big deep freeze. We saw that across Texas quite commonly. We really don't expect that for much of Texas right now. Our trees are probably going to be in very good condition even after this very cold weather. We get a lot of questions about summer turf grass and a lot of these things cannot be answered until next spring and summer when they begin to grow. We're going to go ahead with our normal chores. Just because you got cold doesn't mean it delays pruning of trees. As a matter of fact, it just makes it even better for us to prune live oaks, pecans, all of these major pruning jobs that tree pruners and maybe yourself, do it yourselfers are doing, should continue. As a matter of fact, this January, February is a perfect time for us to continue with that. Fortunately, very little ice damage occurred to these trees, so we're not doing a lot of repair work. Knock on wood, you know, you don't know what the rest of winter has in store, but that can come. But for the most part, it was fairly dry all across this deep cold spell that we just went through, and so our plants are going to be quite okay. It's all right for those perennials like cannas and all of these that have top-killed that it hopefully are root hardy like lantanas and yellow bells. You can go ahead now and cut all those things off. If you want to throw a little mulch on top to help insulate them from the next cold spell, you can do that. But let's knock on wood. We dodged the bullet on this cold spell in Texas. This is John Bagno reporting for Texas Ag Today from San Angelo. We have an update on the deer suspected of having chronic wasting disease at the Kerr Wildlife Management Area Research Facility. I'm Jessica Domel, and we'll have that update coming up on Texas Ag Today. And spring calving season is just ahead. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up. These stories plus a look at the markets are straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. 
National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Grant Norfleet from Missouri. What better way to show your support of FFA than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. He always wanted to be a rodeo clown, but he had to settle for being a radio clown. Here's Kerry Martin with more Texas Ag Today. Spring calving is just ahead. Dr. Bob Judd has some tips on preparing for calves to hit the ground. Preparing for the calving season now is much better than waiting until you have an emergency. Depending on your skill level, you should have clean calving chains or straps for attaching to the calf's legs, plastic obstetrical sleeves, large amount of a really good obstetrical lubricant, working calf pullers, and a veterinarian's phone number that will take emergency calls. If you're using a veterinarian for your cattle that does not provide emergency service, you may need to consider another option, so you will have someone you can count on. It is important to know when to intervene in the calving process, because if you try to help too early and the cervix is not dilated, you can damage tissues and injure the cow and calf. However, if you wait too long, the calf may be stillborn. Dr. Hanslicek believes once a cow has reached stage two of labor, she should give birth in 30 minutes, and a heifer should calve within one hour. Of course, you have to observe these cows closely to know the time second stage labor started. Second stage labor is when the cow is actually having uterine contractions and attempting to deliver the calf. However, some cows will have a more silent second stage labor if the fetus is breached or malaligned and the fetus cannot enter the birth canal. If you attempt to deliver the calf yourself but cannot do so after 15 minutes, it is recommended to call your veterinarian as more manipulation time will likely cause more damage. The calf should be standing in one hour and nursing in two hours. And if not, the calf will need more care. The cow should be milked out and calf-fed with an esophageal feeder or given a colostrum replacer. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's a surprise development in the chronic wasting disease outbreak at the Kerr Research Facility. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Reports. The deer suspected of being infected with chronic wasting disease at the Kerr Wildlife Management Area Research Facility may not have had the disease. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department recently announced that the National Veterinary Services Lab in Ames, Iowa, did not confirm CWD in the sample that was taken from a 14-month-old buck that was suspected to be CWD positive. The buck was tested for the disease in October as part of ongoing research following a presumptive positive CWD test on a doe in early 2023 at the facility. The sample from the buck was sent to the Texas A&M Veterinary Medical Diagnostic Lab and processed by the Wisconsin Veterinary Diagnostic Lab, which was assisting TVMDL with an influx of tests. The lab in Wisconsin flagged the test from the buck as a suspect positive and sent the test to the National Lab in Iowa for confirmation. Out of an abundance of caution, TPWD depopulated the research facility before it received confirmation from the lab in Iowa, 
TPWD said this is an extremely rare occurrence in which they had not received confirmation. John Solovsky, TPWD's Wildlife Division Director, said while department staff are disappointed in abruptly ending use of the research herd, they knew it was essential to immediately eliminate the likelihood of amplifying the disease threat within the captive facility. He said it reduces the risk of potentially transmitting the disease to the surrounding wildlife management area property and to neighboring landowners. The department now plans to utilize additional tests to conduct a third round of environmental sampling at the facility and evaluate post-mortem tissues from the deer that were euthanized. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We'll check the markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Grant Norfleet from Missouri. What better way to show your support of FFA than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. Sometimes you love them, sometimes you cuss them. Here's a look at the markets on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures climbed a bit higher once again on Wednesday, both live and feeder cattle making gains, with February live cattle up 70 cents, 175.35, April up 52, 178.35, with June live cattle up 50 cents, 175.45. Feeder cattle, same thing. January up 82, 231.82. March feeders up 12, 233.77. With April feeder cattle up 25 cents, 239.80. Cash fed cattle market still fairly quiet for the week. Now, we did have a report of one major packer paying 174 in Texas on Wednesday. They bought a few thousand head at that price. That's a buck higher compared to a week ago. Everything else, however, still quiet. Looks like the feedlots pricing cattle here in Texas about 175. Some Kansas feeders pricing cattle at 176 this week. Boxed beef prices lower on Wednesday. Choice down a dollar twelve, three hundred dollars fifty-four cents. Select down a dollar fifty-four at two eighty-six eighty-four. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Kenny Mingus from Milam County Livestock Auction is my guest. They sell on Friday. Kenny, how was your last sale? You bet. With the steers under 300, 260 to 360. Three to 400 pound steers, 229 to 370. Four to 500 pound steers, 198 to 375. And over 500, 140 to 292 and a half. On a heifers under 300, 190 to 320. Three to 400 pound heifers, 170 to 335. Four to five hundred pound heifers, one fifty five to three twenty five, and over five hundred a dollar to two seventy. They added a little money to the Packer cows, sixty to one hundred eight. Packer bulls, ninety to one twenty nine. On your bread cows, five ten to thirteen seventy five, and on your pears, we didn't have a true test, but had a few bring a thousand a quarter to eleven hundred. Good, you had a good sale. What do you anticipate for this week? Larry, I don't know. It's supposed to rain, you know, tomorrow. We had about three inches here today. Uh, which we definitely needed. Supposed to rain tomorrow, supposed to rain Wednesday. So I don't know. It's just getting into those winter months where if they can get in and the weather's halfway decent, I think they'll fool with some of them. Uh, if they if they can't, 
then uh, they'll sell them the week after, right. you know. But uh, this market is, is really outstanding right now. Uh, probably the best we've seen it there Friday in a long time on all classes of cattle. Um, you know, and I, we could get higher, you know, if these numbers stay down. So, right. right. Well, folks, bring uh, them to Kenny there in Milam County. Tell them how to get a hold of you, Kenny. You bet. Catch us at the office Monday through Wednesday, 254-697-6697. Follow us on our webpage at milamcountylivestockauction.com or catch us on Facebook. And, neighbor, we want you to take care, too, and come on back to Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Thanks for listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished higher on Wednesday. February hogs up 60 cents, 73.90. April hogs up $1.70 at 82.02. Class 3 milk was mixed. January milk up 3 cents, 15.22 a hundred weight. February milk down 8 at 15.62 a hundred. Cotton futures finishing higher on Wednesday, a lower dollar and a stronger stock market helping to boost prices. March cotton up 80 points, 85.40. May cotton up 79 at 86.60. With new crop December cotton up 32 points, 81.20 cents a pound. Corn markets showed some strength on Wednesday. In fact, five straight days now of higher closes in the corn market. A big drop in ethanol production may be giving that market some support. March corn up five and three quarters, 452 and a quarter. May corn up five and three quarters, 462 and a half. With September corn up four and three quarters, 475 and a quarter. Strength in the wheat market as well, both hard and soft wheat making nice gains. China may be in the market for some soft wheat, so that really boosted that market. Hard wheat making gains as well, with March up eight and a quarter, six twenty-five and three quarters. New crop July up nine and a quarter, six twenty-nine and a quarter. Soft wheat in Chicago, March contract up fourteen and a quarter, six ten and three quarters, with new crop July wheat up thirteen and a half, six twenty-six and a quarter. In the energy markets, February natural gas gained 23 cents Wednesday, 268. March West Texas crude oil up a dollar nine at 75.46 a barrel. The financial markets mixed Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down 99 points at 37,806. The Nasdaq up 55, 15,481. The S&P up three at 4,868. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. Be sure to follow the Texas Ag Today podcast found wherever you listen to podcasts. For more Texas farm and ranch news, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.